Pete's comment was like, wow, you were really thirsty for Colin Firth in that episode. And I was like, Has he met women? <laughs> I, know, I was like, um, excuse you, when has that ever not been true? Listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teenage rom-coms. I am Martha Sullivan, one of your co-hosts, YA librarian and teen lit consumer, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host. I am Martin Hagman, adult services librarian and rom-com and romance novel aficionado. And before we get into it uh, today. I just want to once again state at the top of the episode, Black Black Lives Matter, all cops are bad, do not let the uh, stagnation of media coverage lead you to believe that things are ending or losing momentum in any way. I have seen a distinct kind of slowdown on media coverage of protests, but also an equal amount, I think, of people on social media um, rushing to assure us all that the protests are still happening. Um, so let us not get complacent. Uh, now is now is not the time for us, particularly us as white people, to assume that our work is done. Uh, so if you are um, out protesting, uh, we stand in solidarity with you, and you know. We are continuing to do our work. Once again, this is a a lighthearted podcast, and I don't ever want people to think that just because our subject matter is light means that we are not taking the world seriously at this moment in history. Or that pop culture that is considered light isn't political. Um, All pop culture culture is political. It is. And... I, I think that right now there is a need for, just as there is a need for consuming educational pop culture right now, there is also the need for when we have done the work or when we are doing the work and feeling weary, there is a place in this world for stuff that is lighter and um, you know can give our, can give our brains a break while we are uh, resting and preparing for future rounds. Definitely, definitely. And I, I think this film we are about to discuss fits very nicely into that category um yeah i agree uh the film we are talking about today is 2018's skate kitchen um i do want to again throw up a a quick apology at the top of this episode i believe last episode i claimed that this was made by black filmmakers it was not uh crystal moselle the director and writer of skate kitchen uh is white um i apologize for that mistake uh what is true is that most of this cast is extremely diverse um the main character is colombian and many of the supporting characters are hispanic or african-american um but uh, I, I did not want to um, not acknowledge the fact that I was mistaken on the director's identity, and I apologize for that. Anyway, 
We are talking today about 2018's Skate Kitchen. Uh, this movie, while fictional, is based off of the real-life uh, women's skateboarding collective in New York City, which is called Skate Kitchen. Um, I, the story that I heard about where they got the name from was uh, from some of the members being told by men you know, what are you doing skateboarding? You belong in the kitchen. Uh, and they took that and made it into the joke that it is um, because that's ridiculous. Uh, but this is the story of Camille, uh, who is played by uh, Rochelle Vinberg. Um, all of the all of the skateboarders in this movie are um fictionalized versions of the people that play them. So Rochelle Vinberg, Dee Dee Lovelace, Nina Moran, Cabrina Adams, Ajani Rush Russell, Jules Lorenzo, and Bren Lorenzo are all actual real life members of Skate Kitchen and uh you know were um worked with what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, acting coaches uh, so that they could portray fictionalized versions of themselves in this movie. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, um, yes. So was... Rochelle Vinberg plays Camille, who is a young woman in, I believe she and her mother live in Jersey City. Um, Somewhere on Long Island. I think we or, were, oh, we sorry. were told, I, it, I don't know long island locations i think because there was a, a joke it was confusing though because the other characters were confused and joked about her being from new jersey um yeah but yeah so she lives outside of new york city i believe that you're correct i believe it's long island and not jersey city but um she is a skateboarder at the very beginning of the movie she suffers a pretty awful accident uh while skateboarding that makes her mother uh, make her promise to stop skateboarding. Uh, she immediately does not do this. Um, she just starts hiding the fact that she's still skating from her mother um, and meets a group of women in New York City who are uh, pretty serious boarders and makes uh, some of her first close female friends uh, through this group. Um, they are a colorful group of women who are, you know, there for each other. Um, and Camille gets closer to all of them, even going to live with uh, Janae, one of them, after her mother finds out that she is still skating. They have a blow-up fight, and she leaves home. Um, she starts to develop a relationship with Devin, uh, played by Jaden Smith. Um, which becomes a problem because Devin and Janae were on again, off again. And when Janae finds out that Camille has this relationship, she feels very hurt and throws her out of her house. Um, which leads to Camille going back home to make up with her mom uh, and eventually apologizing to the girls of skate or the women of Skate Kitchen and uh, getting reincorporated back into their group. It is a pretty simple story, um, made more wonderful, I think, by the incredibly uh, talented and colorful group of women who make up this collective. Um, obviously, they all do all of their own skateboarding, uh, and they are on skateboards more than I think they are on foot in this movie. Yeah, there um, is a very high 
the ratio of skateboarding to walking is very highly tilted in skateboarding to skateboarding. Um, but yeah, I I thought this movie was super lovely. Um, I really I'm very very into movies that support and celebrate female friendship and what that looks like and how it can get complicated and how it's not always and how it's not complicated. Um, but like movies about women supporting other women and what that looks like. Um, yeah, and I, I thought the skating was really fun. I thought for being first-time actresses, these women all did a really great job. They um, did. Probably- I think especially uh, the girl, both the girls who played Camille and Janae, I think were really, really good. Sorry, I'm trying to find a, a better word than good, but like a really, you know, they were they were effective. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I feel sometimes like when you get people who are hired to be in movies because they have a specific skill um, and then they have to learn acting kind of after the fact, I think it is sometimes easier to tell than others. See Uh, the movie Miracle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But no, I thought that these women were um, very emotive. They are they're engaging to watch. Um, I just had a lot of fun with this movie. Yeah, I thought um, it definitely. I I think that the the strongest sequences really were just of these girls. Um, you know, I I don't know what the proper terminology is for like going around on their skateboards. <laughs> um, but yeah, there there was just a lot of you know really fun sequences of them. You know, having fun, hanging out together. Um, and I think that's something that's sadly, like, all too rare in movies. Um, that, yeah, like, the movie was really just centered around um, these girls doing what they love to do. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that, um, that I was really impressed by the cinematography um, I think there were a lot of really beautiful shots of New York City. Um, and I tend to be one who is skeptical of, uh, you know, like, rah-rah, New York City is everything movies, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, this really, you know, kind of showed a, the vibrancy and the... Um, community that um, these girls have built um, and yeah there was just like a lot of lovely shots of the city there were a lot of really lovely like there was one shot that I that stuck out to me where you just see and I think it's Camille twisting the wheel of her skateboard like while she's just standing talking but the camera pans over to her hand, just twisting the skateboard as if, like, even while she is just talking, she can't, like, be disconnected from her skateboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the movie had, like, lots of little moments like that. And there's there's another really great scene where Kurt, one of the girls, um, gets into a fight with a couple of guys at the skate park and one of them picks up her board and skates away with it and she's like that's that is its own violation like 
the I think the movie did a really good job of showing how the boards are a part of these girls, like that the boards themselves are important and it's not just like it's a piece of equipment, but it's also like an extension of who they are. Right. Like, the board the board itself is also important. Um and I there's another oh sorry. I was say, and I think in sports movies, you know, that that is so often reserved for, like, guys with their basketball or, um, I, I don't know, I'm still thinking Miracle, so on <laughs> their hockey stick. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was just really lovely, yeah, to see, um, you know, the these women really like celebrating their love of skateboarding. Yeah, there's another moment where um Camille's mom or Camille's mom mm-hmm. takes her board away, takes her skateboard away, mm-hmm. and the other girls help her build a new one. Like they find somebody who's got an extra deck and they help her put new wheels on it to to make sure that she still has uh, a skateboard even after her mom kind of takes it away uh which i just i loved it it's this movie i feel is built on little moments like that of showing how these girls support each other um i will say i did not really care about the uh romance story between camille and devon yeah that was pretty underdeveloped um, I think that the movie had enough conflict with between Camille and her mom, um, and I I don't think it necessarily needed uh, the the additional conflict. And mostly, I just all of the guys in this movie I did not care about, except for Janae's dad. He was oh, he was so sweet. Yeah, yeah, agree. And especially like there are scenes later in the movie where. Camille has moved out of Janae's house into the house that Devin shares with, I don't know, like, five other guys? Um, and there's a scene where she's trying to fall asleep and these guys are playing video games loudly in the same room. Well, at one point, aren't they watching porn? Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, oh, honey... Please go sleep anywhere else. Right? And I also was just like, who, like, who is paying rent? Like, who's paying the utilities? Like, how, how does this work? Like, my adult brain was just like, logistically here, what is happening? <laughs> like, how is I mean, this? We do know that Devin has a job. We do. We do. Um, But yeah, it was just, like, unclear what this, like, arrangement was. Um... And, yeah, and just, like, it, yeah, all those dudes, it just, the the moments where the movie tried to be, like, oh, these are Camille's new friends, it was just, like, no, we don't care about them, like, they're just there. We really don't. (laughs) They're just there. Um, it took me embarrassingly long to realize that that was Jaden Smith. (laughs) I, I think because some of his first scenes, like, the first time we really get a conversation with him. He's in this basement stock room. And I think the next scene he was like 
at the skate park with Camille, and I had a moment where I was like, wait a minute, that is absolutely Jaden Smith. <laughs> well, and he his casting was um, his casting was interesting to me because he's one of the only like trained actors in the movie. Yeah. Um, and he. He got cast because um, the director Moselle thought that they needed at least one kind of trained actor for the girls to bounce off of. And somebody knew that he could skate so he he also does his own skateboarding and i'm trying to remember who was like oh yeah oh i think because he had heard of the skate kitchen collective already okay so when they were looking for an actor who could already skateboard he was like um oh he reached out to rochelle vindenberg on Instagram. Oh, okay, okay. So he, like, this was a, like, him plugging to... A little bit. I think he was a fan. So he was, like, uh, he was a fan and he could skate. So I I love the idea that he already knew who these girls were and was like, yeah, I want to be around them and I want to act with them. (laughs) Kind of like how one of the Green Bay Packers like invited themselves to be in Pitch Perfect 2. Like that's hysterical. Oh yeah. Like the reason they are in Pitch Perfect 2 is one of them was just a straight up huge fan of Pitch Perfect 1. And they I think because is it Kay Cannon wrote all of them? I think he like reached out to Kay Cannon and was like, please let us be in the next one. That's we, incredible. Like, we watch this movie over and over because we live in Green Bay for so long <laughs> of the year and don't have much to do. Please let us be in this movie. Yeah. I, I am from Chicago and thus contractually obligated to hate the Green Bay Packers, but that's also pretty incredible. I mean, I'm from Minnesota and I'm also contractually obligated to hate the Green Bay Packers, but yeah, it's very cute. Yeah, I, I also... Think- I don't know that there's a sport in the world that I care about less than I care about football. So same, same. Um, but yeah, it, and I I really enjoy their cameo. I think it's very cute. Um, but yeah, I think it was Dave Bakhtiari. I think like reached out and was like, "We're big fans. Please let us be in this movie." <laughs> oh, he also is the one that had them all play Settlers of Catan. So he's a huge nerd. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Nice. But yeah, apparently... Oh, I was going to say... Okay, he didn't reach out to Kay Cannon. He reached out to Elizabeth Banks on Twitter. Amazing. So one of the things I want to talk about is the fact that this movie is the first feature film about female skateboarders. Oh. Which, um... Yeah, it's not surprising, sadly. Not surprising, um, but also makes me, like, double glad that it exists. Um, and apparently the girls had to deal with, um, during the pre-press for the movie, had to deal with a lot of uh, journalists asking if they did their own skating. Oh, my God. Um, yes. <laughs> um, 
And then they also had to deal with older, um, not like old, but older than 18, 19, um, women skateboarders accusing this group of like capitalizing on female skateboarder culture, mm. even though Skate Kitchen is part of female skateboarder culture. jeez. Oh, um, I know. I reading about the accusations, it's all it's all gatekeeping fake like fake geek girl BS. Mm. Um and I I knowing that these girls are like knowing that this is who they are, like it's not just that they're playing them in the movie. It's this is as authentic as you get, I guess. Right. And still knowing that they had to put up with all of that after the movie came out is like, I yeah don't want to live on this planet anymore. Yeah, there's a oof. It just like gives you some white hot rage. Um. Well. They're, you know, they're also getting a HBO series, so the Tell joke is that. on the haters. I don't, I don't know about this. Yeah. Um. Oh, it might have already even come out. Um. It is called Betty. Um. Yeah, it's a six-episode miniseries on HBO, and it's just been renewed for a second season. So, woo. Yeah, I'm I'm on their Instagram page right now, and I saw that it dropped on May first, so I will definitely be checking that out. Um, have you looked at their Instagram at all? I have not. It's super fun. The um, whoever their photographers are, in the in the movie they do a lot of their own photography, uh, which I imagine is probably true to life. Um, but the the videos and the sh- and the shots are really really fun, very dynamic. And I I have to shout out their use of Instagram in this movie. I feel like definitely one of the more like realistic portrayals we have seen of how people like use and connect through Instagram. I loved that moment where when Camille is first meeting all the girls. One of them says, "Oh, I follow you on Instagram. Like, yeah, I know who you are because you're on. You're another skater on Instagram, and um, yeah. It it honestly like brought me back to like the internet forum days of like when I used to spend so much of my time on Ellen Montgomery and Green Gables forums, and like that feeling of being like." yeah, these are other people interested in the same things I am who want to talk about it. Um. And then I also appreciated that a lot of their communication happens through Instagram. Like when Camille reaches out to apologize, she does it through an Instagram DM. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I, I agree. We have watched some stuff that has some pretty bizarre usage of social media, and this felt very true which is probably a byproduct of the fact that um they were involved in making the movie i'm sure that um moselle 
could consult with them on like how did this work how do you guys use this thing like how what is the role that instagram plays in your connection and your lives and then was able to actually utilize it that way yeah it definitely felt yeah because yeah like you said so often in movies like the use of technology either now feels outdated because the movies are older but yeah oftentimes it feels like no like no team would like really like use technology that way um so yeah it was really nice to be like oh yeah of course like they she wouldn't text them of course she would instagram dm them like yeah um i also appreciated how um because this movie is so female centric we got conversations about tampons and periods and we got conversations about um actually I was gonna say birth control and I don't think that that was true yeah I can't remember I mean they do have some pretty frank conversations about like sexuality and dating um and the one that really stuck out to me is when they're talking about tampons because how often do you see characters in a movie talking about menstruating that's not like ew it's gross or in like a negative this was a fully neutral way right um which i feel like is so often like how it actually happens you know like you know it felt very reflective of you know actual conversations i was (laughs) i was a fully grown human adult before I realized that it is so much less stressful to buy menstrual pads in the grocery store if I stop caring that other people might have thoughts about the fact that I have to buy pads in a drugstore. Like, that was a ridiculously long time for me to stop feeling embarrassed about that because it's it's not a thing that is talked about generally right. like that, frankly. Um, which is dumb. Fifty percent of the population needs typically needs menstrual products like a week out of every month. And the fact that we are kind of culturally conditioned to not talk about that or for that to be gross or whatever is that sucks. So yeah, it, and always, just like... it always sticks out to me when mm-hmm. pop culture is just like, yeah, this is a thing that happens. Um. Yeah, because, yeah, there's, like, that ingrained, like, oh, I have a box of tampons in my grocery store. Oh, I better, like, hide it, like, you know. When I was in Girl Scouts as a 10 or 11-year-old, one of our leaders, and I, I don't say this about the troop leader to, like, point my finger at her, because I think this is a larger cultural issue. Um, But she demonstrated to us how we could carry a pad to the bathroom without anybody noticing that we were holding it. Hmm. And as a 12-year-old, it was like, no, I never want anybody to notice when I need this. And now as an adult, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Hmm. Um, But thinking back on it, that was kind of a weird thing for... Hmm. For us to be taught anyway yeah uh, janae talks about how she just tells her dad what kind of tampons she wants and he gets them and it's no big deal and i was Aww. like it is no big deal 
Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie also was very true to, I think, how teenagers communicate and the kinds of things that are a big deal to teens. And um, I, I said before that I thought that the storyline with Devin was the weakest part of the movie, and I do agree about that, but I also... Um, from an adult standpoint, appreciated that the movie was like, yeah, it would be a big deal for Janae to find out that Camille was, um, in her eyes, going behind her back with this guy that she's interested in. Like, that's a big deal when you're a teenager, even if I, as an adult, am like, no, both of you girls are so much better than him. Why are you even wasting your time? (laughs) Yeah, no, that definitely felt... Yeah, I think the movie was self-aware enough to be like, yeah, this would be a conflict, but also, like, we're going to solve it. And they do resolve it pretty fast. I mean, the fallout from it is fairly catastrophic. Like, Camille is essentially homeless for a couple of days because Janae kicks her out over this. Um, But it also, we are led to believe when it resolves, resolves cleanly. Yeah. And seemingly quickly. I guess we don't know how long lapses between the Instagram post and or the Instagram message and the ending shot. Um, which, speaking of that ending shot of them all in the street, can I just say, as someone who is new to driving, that would terrify me <laughs> if I saw a bunch of teens skateboarding, like, in and out of the bike lane. Like, I am... This is my first summer driving, and I'm already so, like, hyper aware of bikers and so, like, even, like, like irrationally, like, I have to slow down by the bikers. They have to be okay. Like, I, it just, like, I'm so worried <laughs> that, like, I feel like if I had a group of teens skateboard past me, I would just be like, ah! <laughs> I have nothing for you. That anxiety never gets better. <laughs> learn to live with it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, just as I drive more during the summer. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just, I on one hand, I was like, oh, yay, this is great. They're having a lovely time. Like, they're reconciled. Woohoo. And on the other hand, I was like, oh, if I was driving on that road right now, I would be so terrified. <laughs> well, and be comforted by the fact that, realistically, are you ever going to drive in New York City? Oh, yeah, no, I'm going to make sure that never happens. <laughs> like, there is literally no reason for anybody who is just visiting New York City to drive there. Yeah. So, don't worry about it. <laughs> just don't, you know, don't get run down by skaters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um but yeah, I definitely, I was like, oh, it was definitely a like, oh yeah, I'm over 30 now moment. Just like when I started listening to Brittany Brown's Netflix special, I was like, oh god, yeah, I am, I am over 30 now. <laughs> it's showing. This movie, in addition to being extremely racially diverse, is also pretty uh, gender, or not gender, um, sexually diverse. 
one of the uh, women, I'm going back and forth between girls and women, and I apologize for that. It's very annoying. It's annoying me myself to do it. Um, but they're all like 18, 19, which is a very kind of ephemeral age for yeah. me. Like they're legally adults, but also I have a hard time thinking of an 18 year old as being an adult. So I'm sorry, I'm going to stick with women because it's not diminutive or condescending. One of the women, uh, Kurt, is an out lesbian. Um, and there are like I said before, a lot of very frank conversations about sexuality. Uh, and then one extremely bizarre to me and old uh, scene at a party where everybody just kind of starts making out. And I was like, mm, Camille, I'm with you, girl, because she just leaves. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was also feeling that. I was like, oh, OK. Hmm. But also people seem chill with that. Like there's there's an odd moment where she's kind of invited to join in and she's just like, mm, nah, I'm yeah. leaving now. Yeah. And no one ever talks about it. So it's like not even a thing and is weirdly like, or not weirdly, but weird to me personally in my extremely cisnormative heterosexual frame of reference um, seemed very like good naturedly like, you can join if you want to, but if you don't want to, that's cool too. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, they have same similar kind of conversations and similar vibe about her smoking pot. Like, they're like, oh, do you want some? Oh, okay, no, okay. And then, like, when she does smoke for the first time, they're like, okay, so this is how you do it. Like, oh, yep, you puffed pretty hard there. Like, you know, they were just very, like, um, yeah, matter of fact about it. That was the one scene that made me feel capital O old because <laughs> even when I, I mean, even when I was a teenager, I wasn't super into like hookup culture, Yeah, which is not passing judgment on people that are. It was just a fact of my adolescence. So, um, like I said, I did identify with Camille and her just like, I'm going to remove myself from this situation. Yeah, same. Yes, that is that is what I would have done as well. Thing. But yeah, but I don't think the movie, you know, like the movie is not, it doesn't shame Camille, it doesn't shame the other girls, like, it's very much like, yeah, this is what they, you know, they're doing what they want to do. Yeah, the only time, the only time the movie makes Camille feel bad about her decisions is when it's perceived that she has betrayed uh, these other women in some way like that is the relationship that the movie places value on and that's the relationship that she eventually um has to repair at the end um and she when she is um temporarily staying with Devin uh she kisses him and is kind of rebuffed by him and that's the impetus for her going back to her mom's house um and then there's no more follow-up with him after that. It's like, nope, that was done. It was a mistake. The people that I care about are these women. Um, and I didn't need to hear any more from Devin after that. Yeah. Like, we're, that, that part of this story is over, and I'm okay with it. I will say, I could have used... One thing I could have used in there, I could have used a phone call to her mom. Um... I think there needed to be, like, 
one little like intermediary moment between her and her mom um because they had left things on such bad terms um see i kind of liked the fact that she just shows up at her mom's house and her mom is like oh honey are you okay um i thought that that really spoke a lot because they um their falling out is rough and I agree with you. I think that there probably were moments that we could have seen about of them like repairing that relationship. But in that moment, I appreciated that her mom could tell that what she needed right then was just for her to be a mom. Yeah. And like maybe the admonishment could come later. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it certainly I think it was supposed to be like, this is really a crisis. Like, yeah, drop the fight we were having. And but. I, I, I just, like, I wasn't expecting her to go to her mom's. I, and I guess I'm just used to, like, movies cueing you for that. Sure. Um, I, I do think that a lot of this movie read more like a documentary than it did yeah. of a, like, scripted movie. Um, which, at moments, made the pace feel, made the pacing feel a little bit weird. Yeah, there were definitely some moments where the pacing felt I don't want to say drawn out because that has like a bad connotation but like slow and I think that was deliberate but yeah I think that is kind of the dynamic you're touching on where like it did feel like oh you know this is about you know this is highlighting the skateboarding and the friendship between these women um, more than it is about like a narrative story yeah it's definitely like we're skating and then occasionally plot happens <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I mean just the way oh my god I I decided and this was maybe the best decision I made all week uh I decided to rewatch Magic Mike because I was in my feelings and let me just That's say like <laughs> Okay, that movie you think is that way? I, I went into it thinking like, ah, yes, this is a movie that is a bunch of scenes of Channing Tatum dancing and stripping held together by, like, some plot. But actually, like, there's a lot of, like... There's a lot of plot! There's a lot of plot! And there's a lot of, like, very well-thought-out dialogue and crafted scenes and good acting. And I had, like, forgotten that it was an actually, like... It wasn't just a... Channing Tatum dance set piece like step up <laughs> and um which I, I, it turned out to be I mean it was the perfect movie for me to watch but I just like Pete came in and I was like funny story Magic Mike actually a good movie and he was like don't you love that movie and I was like well yeah but like I forgot that it's like a really well crafted well made like well written movie <laughs> I forgot that I loved it for more than just abs. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and not to, you know, place the value judgment that this movie is less than because it's, like, held together in a little more, you know, not improvisational style, but, like, doesn't have the same, like, tight narrative structure. Um, but, yeah, I think it, you know, movies when they are, you know, really a showcase or really are... Um, well, or like for another example, so Blank Check, uh, this podcast Pete and I both listen to, is doing the work of Nora Ephron, 
Um, and so we just watched When Harry Met Sally. Pia had never seen it before. Um, and so much of that movie is improv improvised scenes kind of thrown together to make a plot. Um, and I think this is kind of the same way. Like, When Harry Met Sally is really just about these funny scenarios that, like, string along into a plot. And I think, like, this is kind of, like, a movie about skateboarding where you're, you know, you see the beautiful shots of skateboarding and these pretty, like, you know, the conversations that women would have. Um, and that really is, like, the heart of the movie versus, like, a tight, like, three-act structure. And because of that, I did appreciate that it's a pretty tight 90 minutes. Yeah, I think it, and not that it lagged, but there were definitely a few moments where I was like, okay, come on, like, let's go. Um, Also because I got a little anxious watching them skate at moments. (laughs) Because of that initial accident. (laughs) Like, there were definitely a few times I had to, like, look away from the screen. They take some some tumbles. Yeah. And so I was just, like, so scared for them. And, um, yeah, especially after that initial accident and seeing all that blood, I, like, a few of the skateboarding moments, I was like, oh, God, fuck, I just, I have to look away. <laughs> like, um, I also can get motion sick, um, so sometimes, like, watching things like skateboarding, I'm just like, oh, like, feeling the motion with them, I'm just like, oh, God. Um. But yeah, that, uh, sorry, that is all to say, yeah, I think there were a few moments that it was, like, the movie felt purposefully, like, deliberative, but, um, yeah, that made me really glad that it was, like, a tight 90 minutes. Like, it didn't, you know, I could easily see in another version of this movie where they, like, dragged it out to two hours. Where they really kind of wallowed in the, um, skating. Exactly, exactly, and it just, you know... Which I also don't think I would have hated that. Um, yeah. But this was like, I don't know, this was like just enough. Right. Yeah, like it didn't, it felt like the movie said what it needed to say, and it didn't, um, didn't keep us hanging. Uh, anything else we want to bring up for Skate Kitchen? Mm, not that I can think of. Uh, what would you recommend to our listeners um, to check out next? Yeah, so this movie really in some ways reminded me of the 2001 classic Save the Last Dance um, and that it's about you know, building friendships and, you know, centered around an activity the protagonist loves. Um, in the case of Save the Last Dance, that's obviously dance. Um, and two, I as I was thinking about it, I feel like Save the Last Dance also has a lot of those, like, slow moments where we see, you know, Julia Stiles' character. Like, it takes some time um, to, like, linger on Julia Stiles' character's journey. Um, so for, yeah, for that reasons, it, it really reminded me of, of Save the Last Dance. 
Uh, and I actually, I am going to cheat a little bit. I have two recommendations for you because Ooh. there were two things that this movie reminded me of in different ways. So the first is the 2020 Academy Award winning documentary short called Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone, if you're a girl. Um, this uh, documentary, documentary is about girls in Afghanistan, uh, specifically in Kabul, who are learning how to skateboard as part of an overall program to educate them. Um, they learn to read and write and also skateboard uh, with an organization called Skatistan, which is a nonprofit organization. Um, it is delightful. Um, it is available to stream on Hoopla, if that is an app that your library provides access to, um, and is about 40 minutes long. So I, I recommend you, if, if the world of women in skateboarding is of interest to you at all, um, I highly recommend this documentary. Um, the other thing, uh, since New York City is really such a strong presence in this movie, I just finished reading a book called The City We Became by N.K. Jemisin, um, which is about what happens when cities become, when cities develop such an innate personality that they actually manifest physically as uh, personified avatars. Um, and how the city of New York, because it's not just one city, it's a city made up of five different boroughs, manifests as six different avatars, uh, with one for each of its boroughs and then one overall for New York City as a whole. Um, it is a love letter to New York. Um, it is also an extremely weird and cool sci-fi concept about you know personified cities and wars over territories and a lot of stuff that I don't want to get into because it's a little spoilery. Um, but that's The City We Became uh, is the book that I just finished. Uh, I know Pete read it. Yes. Uh, and liked it. And I will probably be talking about it on Did You Do Your Homework, the other <laughs> podcast that I do. <laughs> Next episode, we are going to be talking about A Wrinkle in Time, which is available to stream on Disney Plus if you have not yet seen it. Um, I saw this one in theaters, uh, and I also, um, the book is beloved by me. So I am one of the few people that um, grew up on the book and loved the book and also loved the movie. So I'm very interested to hear. Uh, Marin, your take on the film as somebody who has not um, read the book before. Yeah, I am completely fresh. I feel like there might have been some point I like read a chunk of it, but like I'm I was too young to now remember. Um, I feel like yeah, maybe one of my teachers did as parts of it as like a read aloud. But yeah, I am I am brand new to A Wrinkle in Time, um, so I am excited to consume it for the first time. Yeah, that'll be a fun conversation. Um, until then, uh, you can find our show on social media. We share a feed with Did You Do Your Homework, the other podcast that I do that updates on this same feed on Opposing Wednesdays. Um, but you can find all of our social media at DYDYH Podcast. Um, 
you can follow me personally on the internet at Magical Martha. I am most active these days on Twitter and Instagram. I also write a newsletter that has started updating again, um, which you can find at tinyletter.com backslash Magical Martha. Uh, Marin, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, folks can find me on Twitter at a underscore star underscore danced, um, where I tweet a lot about um, romance novels and rom-coms, um, and there are generally a lot of maps. So if any of those interest you, feel free to give me a follow. Um, so last week I uh, gaffed hard enough that we had to record an addendum uh, to our outro. So Marin, am I forgetting anything? Or can, <laughs> we, can we elegantly uh, close the door on this episode? I, I think we can close the door. Beautiful. Um. Stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy. Uh, we will see you in two weeks. And just remember that we love ya.